Uh, Corey, this is the, the last weekend that he's going to be gone for a little while. He's going to be back in a couple sun or uh, for a couple Sundays, and so um, and again he is gone off rodeoing and, and uh, with his daughter Alyssa, and Christy is with him and. And that whole family just goes and enjoys that. So uh, this morning I get to bring the word. So thank you for for letting me take take the opportunity and the option to do that and, and to be able to bring God's word to you. Uh, Beecher Island is a non-denominational independent Jesus-loving Bible-preaching church. That's what we do right here at Beecher Island. And proud to be part of it. Proud to be the part of this congregation, this family that gets to gather down here each and every Sunday. Um, man, what a good bunch of God love the people we have here, and it's just it's a, it's an honor to be able to be here with all of you. So thank you for for being here and joining us all uh, this morning. Um, let's go to him in prayer, and then and then we'll get fired up. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for what a glorious day this is, another that you've made for us, Lord. Um, <clears throat> Lord, this this day of spring and uh, the newness of life that we get to experience. And uh, we get to look out, look outside, and see all that you have made and created, and we can see that as proof that that you are here, that you are real, God, that you created all of that, and we get to take enjoyment of that. One of these spring days uh, in May, we get to celebrate the mothers, and Lord, I just I specifically pray for them again, and and ask that you bless them, and we lift them up to you right now. And God, uh, the work that they're doing is so big. And God, I just pray that, uh, that that they can just look to you for guidance in all kinds of ways and give thanks to you when it, when it, in, in, at all times. God, we just uh, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the message that you have for us. And God, just help us open our hearts and receive it in the way that you would have us do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, it's Mother's Day. I'm a man. I'm not a mother. I don't know a dang thing about mothers. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, uh, it's a day that we get to celebrate. We get to celebrate. We get to come together. Uh, we get to celebrate those who have become mothers. Uh, you know, today mothers are getting, there, there's cool things going on today. Mothers are getting flowers. Mothers are getting cars. Mothers are getting pedicures. I've never had one of those. I'm never going to get one. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how to spell pedicure. <laughs> I don't know what I'd do with one of those things. Uh, weird stuff. Anyway, getting pedicures. Mothers are getting massages. I ain't never going to get one of them either. There are mothers' rings being taken out of boxes this morning. <clears throat> and there's all these good things that mothers are getting. But you know what also? There's mothers, the same mothers. They're still wiping snotty noses. There are mothers making supper. There are mothers sitting in tractors. There are mothers getting backpacks ready to go to school tomorrow. There are mothers that have put food in crock pot in the crock pot so the family can celebrate Mother's Day with the cake that she baked for Mother's Day last night. There are mothers opening gifts from their kids, even though it was actually her that picked them up last week. Guilty as charged. It's a day of mothers. And, and, the, and the work never ceases for a mother. And, uh, and I've concentrated a lot in the last 24, 48 hours, really hammered down and, and thinking about mothers. And I think about my own mother this morning. <clears throat> Many of you have met her. She isn't with us here this morning, but she's 4 foot 11. She's sweet. 
charming, beautiful, understanding, loving, teaching. She was one, the first one who ever talked to me about God. I learned much about God, not only through her teachings, but through her actions. She would demonstrate the forgiveness of God on so many occasions when I know I probably didn't deserve it. She would also demonstrate the sternness and the discipline of God. I grew up with two brothers. Ty was older, Tack was younger. And there were times that uh, you, you can't count the amount of times that, that we went romping around and might have got ourselves into a little bit of trouble raising, you know what, we got a little out of hand. And this same four foot eleven, sweet, charming, beautiful, understanding, loving, teaching mother of mine, would, in her voice, with the power and declaration of God in words that were big and booming and slow, so I could understand them. Boy, I brought you into this world and I can take you out. <laughs> yeah, I learned a lot about God from my mom and his power and, his, and, and all the things that he is. And uh, I've got an amazing mom. <clears throat> uh, as I grew up in my young adult life, I remember being in college and thinking about the next step of life and thinking about settling down and those kind of things. And, and I... Uh, I remember I prayed to God to give me a wife. Number one, that'd be nice to have. And I felt bad about not not I felt bad about being too picky. So I just requested a few things. That she would be a God-fearing woman, one who was sweet, one who loved agriculture as much as I did, one who wanted to have a family someday, one who would mesh well with my family, one who could cook really well. One who would support me in whatever I did. One who liked to laugh. One who wasn't afraid to cry. Basically just one that was perfect. It wasn't too much to ask, right? Not too much to ask. I really thought I had it all figured out. I got this deal figured out. Knew exactly what I wanted. It's going to be everything I ever dreamed of. And then I married one of them. And it's been good. It's been way good. And I realized that there's a lot about women that I still don't have a clue about. We've been on this trek now for over 11 years, and the longer I'm married to Andrea, <clears throat> the more I realize, like I said, I don't have a clue about some of the harebrained ideas that she might have floating around in there. But I love her. Now we have two amazing kids back there. That, If it weren't for them kids, she would be the amazing mother that she is today. I've learned a lot about I've learned a lot about God through that mother that sits back there in that row. As I've been preparing for today, I really thought it would be easy to search throughout the Bible, to find the perfect passage, the perfect verse, the perfect message from God that would explain motherhood to a T. I was on this trek. But I'm going to go on a little side note here. Did you know it is genetically impossible for a man like myself to be sitting at the supper table eating supper and realize that my lovely wife after all of her busyness, getting the food ready and all the, the kids ready and getting ready for supper. And must have made ten trips back and forth between the kitchen and the table. While I was just sitting here reclining, got my legs crossed and glass iced tea in my hand. That my wife had maybe forgot to grab the mustard or the ketchup out of the fridge as she made one of her many trips to the table. And so for me, thinking I'll give my wife a little break, scoot back from the table, saunter over and open the fridge. It is genetically impossible for a man to look in that fridge and actually find what he's looking for. 
Anybody else know that? Up the, up the, like, and she knows exactly where it is. It could be sitting there right in front, right in front. Like, there's the milk and there's the ketchup in it. Like, I don't see it. There's, there's, some, there's some disturbance there in our genetics that don't allow men to do that. I don't know. So now I've just been, I just asked her, hey, if when I get to the fridge and open that door, could you tell me where it might be? And sometimes I still, she's like on the second shelf. I'm like, one, two, three. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> takes me a little while. So to think that as I'm looking through the Bible and I'm trying to find this perfect passage and this perfect message about motherhood, uh, for a man like myself who is not a mother, who does not have those seeking out genetics that, that Andrew does, I don't know why. Number one, I thought it was possible to even find one or two verses because I can't find them. Not because they're not there, just because I'm a man. And number two, that I thought it would, that, that, that I would be able to see it even though it was in plain sight because it's, it's got to be right here, right? But God always comes through. He always comes through. Just my wife and the times uh, that, we, that we need to count on them the most. Those mothers always come through. God always came through. So this morning we're just going to go backwards a little bit through the Bible <clears throat> um, and, and talk about some of the mothers that are written about. I thought, you know what, I'm just going to find, find mothers that are, that are throughout the Bible and see what we can learn from them, what it means, motherhood in that way, and, and how they're glorified. So if you have your Bibles, uh, flip that thing open to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Now as you're flipping there, so uh, this is this is at the very beginning of uh, talking about the birth of Jesus Christ, <clears throat> and and so if the mother, if you haven't figured it out, we're going to be talking a little bit about the mother of Mary, and uh, in this account, uh, there are the shepherds and the angels, and the angels came down and talked to the shepherds, told them about what was happening, that Jesus was born, that they need, and, and told them all of the good things, all of the good things, and the angels. Uh, they told them, do not be afraid. About Let's start in verse 10. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. There will be for all the people today in the town of David the Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Someday a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God, saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom His favor rests. When the angel left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go into Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Verse 16, So they hurried off and found that Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. So these shepherds knew it was coming. They, they knew about this this baby, this amazing thing that had happened, they went down and they saw Mary and Joseph and the baby, and they began to spread the word of the good stuff that was happening to them. Verse 19, this is the part that I really love. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. She treasured those things up and pondered them in her heart. Flip your page if you need to, uh, and... Uh, we're going to be looking also at verse 51. The boy, Jesus, was at the temple. And he was learning and he was talking to God. And he was doing all the things. He was just a boy as, as, as the, the, caravan of, the caravan of people were leaving town. They realized that Jesus wasn't with them. So they had to turn around and go back and find Jesus. And, and Jesus told them in verse 49, He said, Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what they were saying to him. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. 
And after he had sat there and learned in the temple and did all these things, and Mary searched for Jesus and wondered where he was at, and they found him in the temple, and they know that that's where he was. Verse 50, uh, uh, there at the end of verse 51, it says, But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And a mother treasures all these things in her heart. And I've never read this, I've never read these things without thinking about what, what it must have meant for Mary for Jesus to be being talked about and the good news about Him being spread by the shepherds and, 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 and what He is doing knowing that He is God's Son and that Mary treasured all these things up in her heart. But you mothers out there, you don't have to give birth to the Messiah to treasure things up in your heart. I for one have witnessed and experienced many mothers with their cameras out taking a gazillion pictures because they're so proud of their kids and so proud of what they're doing. And they're treasuring those things up in their heart. They're always googling and cooing over their little babies and all this stuff, you know. They they say that babies are only cute in their mother's eyes, and I think that's probably true. <laughs> I don't know. I shouldn't say that. I guess. But uh, they're always buying clothes. They're just so proud of them. They're so proud of them, and and they're documenting every new sound their babies make, every new bodily function that their babies make, they, they treasure that stuff up in their heart, something I'm like, what? I, I don't know. Uh, I don't care what sound came out of that other end of that kid. But uh, Anyways, <laughs> mothers are, are always treasuring things up. And, uh, and, and I, just, I just think it's cool how a mother can have that kind of relationship with their kids. Deuteronomy 7, 6-8 says, For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for Himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. And in Deuteronomy, he's talking about the Israelites, and talking about God's chosen people at that time. But it says that they are a special treasure to Him. 1 Peter 2, 9-10 says, You are, cho are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. His own special people that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Who once were not a people but are now people of God and have not attained mercy but now have obtained mercy. And I think about mothers and I think about what I've learned about God from mothers. And one of the things is that mothers treasure these things up in their heart. But God also treasures us in His heart. We are treasures to God. And both of those passages talk about that, that we are His. And in 1 Peter, it makes you wonder, are, are, we actually, are we actually the chosen generation? But if we go back to chapter 1, verse 1, this, this letter was written to God's elect, strangers in the world, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father through the sanctifying word of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by His blood. If we have been sprinkled by His blood, if we, have, if we have accepted the grace of Jesus Christ, what He did on the cross, then we are God's chosen people. And He treasures us up in His heart. Treasures us up. I have learned from mothers that we are treasured by God. The next, the next mother that I kind of thought about and came to was, was Elizabeth. And I think of the account of Elizabeth and Zechariah, if you're still in Luke, uh, just flip right back one, one chapter to, to chapter 1. And I think about Elizabeth and Zechariah, so Elizabeth was John the Baptist's mother, right? John the Baptist's mother. <clears throat> and Luke 1, 5 through 24, Luke 1, 5 through 24, it says, 
This is the birth of John the Baptist foretold. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. We're pretty good at slaughtering names. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all of the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well along in years. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty, and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by law according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right hand of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear, but the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel he will bring back to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn their hearts of the the fathers to their children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready the people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. The angel answered, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you the good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until this day happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come at their proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. He realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant, and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. See, Zechariah was a priest. In that time, he was a very godly man. He performed the priestly duties. He observed the Lord's commands and regulations blamelessly. It tells us that. He would have been a man who would have been close to God and believed every word that God said because he was a priest. But it was in his unbelief that his mouth was closed and he could not talk. We look in the churches today and, and the I've, How many wives and mothers are faithful followers with a desire to seek and learn? Seek and learn about God. And pray and hope for their husbands that God would move in their husbands' lives. Shut them up. I'm just kidding. <laughs> There's ability for mothers and women in general to be obedient and feed their faith in ways that men have a hard time doing so. And Elizabeth had that faith and she had that obedience to know that whatever God was saying was true. When his time of service was complete, then he went home. After this, his wife Elizabeth came pregnant. And I can just imagine. Did you? I, I can imagine myself if I was old and my wife was old and trying to go in and my voice has been taken away and I can't talk anymore. Trying to go in and explain to my wife through sign language or something that God had gone ahead and given us a green light to have kids. That would be tough. That would be tough for me. I can't, I can't imagine that. Elizabeth became pregnant. She was secluded for five months. Verse 25, she said, The Lord has done this for me. She said, In these days He has shown favor. He has shown His favor and taken away, the, the dis, taken away my disgrace among the people. 
Man, she was, she was so, Elizabeth is a mother. In those days, if she did not have, if she did not have a kid, because she was married especially to a priest, there was disgrace. People judged her for it. And she was old and well long in years, but God still came through because of their faith and because of her righteousness, because she was God-fearing, and she still was able to conceive because God did that for, them, for her. You know, I've heard, uh, and even, even in, uh, just uh, Mary also, I mean, the, the angel of the Lord came to Mary and said, um, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. I've heard great stories of mothers being blessed in big ways who couldn't have kids for years. They stayed faithful and then all of a sudden had like seven of them. You might have a mother in here like that. I've had, I got a friend who's an only child and who in a conversation with her mother said that she would have not felt complete or content if she did not have a child. I've learned through mothers nothing is impossible with God. I've learned about faithfulness and completeness. When God looks at you, He sees completeness. Everything you require for life and godliness is in you. 2 Peter 1.3 1, says, His divine power has... His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who has called us by His own glory and goodness. I've learned nothing is impossible with God through mothers. The next one I thought about was the mother of Moses. We think about Moses and he was the one that led all the Israelites out of the out of Egypt and he was headed, headed across Red Sea and, and he, he delivered them, right? He delivered them. And, and as we think about Moses and what he was, and, and we think about his mother, we have to have just a little bit of background first. So the Israelites were in Egypt, and they were being oppressed, and they were slaves, and, and things were not good for the Israelites at that point. And in, in Exodus 1, 9 through 22, 1, 9 through 22, he said, look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become much too numerous. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them, or they will become even more numerous, and if war breaks out, will join our enemies, fight against us, and leave the countries. So they put all these slave masters in charge of all the Israelites, and they they did everything they could to make these Israelites work, and work hard, because they, they didn't want them getting bigger. They didn't want them growing in number. They didn't want them teaming up with their enemies and coming and overtaking them. And so they worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with hard labor and brick and mortar and all kinds of work in the fields, and all their... Hard labor, the Egyptians used them ruthlessly. They were not good to these people. So that's the background of this whole story. They didn't want them to grow, so you know what they did? They went over, and, and, and the king, Pharaoh, he said, when every mother is about ready to give birth to all the midwives, just to, to, if it's a boy, kill them right there. Well, the midwives, they kind of felt bad about the whole situation, and and they let those babies be born. And when Pharaoh was asking why there were still baby boys being born, they <laughs> said, those Hebrew women, they're just way too vigorous. We can't get there in time. They have their babies quick. And Pharaoh believed them. And, and those women were blessed by it too. And they had their own families. But because that didn't work, they also said that if these boys were born alive, that they were supposed to be thrown into the Nile. And so they didn't want any Israelites, they didn't want any Israelites being born that were, that were men that would be able to come up and fight them someday. So they wanted to have those boys killed, and so that brings us to Moses' mother. The Moses and, and the, the just the amazing story of, of what Moses' mother, <clears throat> what she did. 
Jephthah says, Now a man in the house of Levi married a Levite woman. This Levite woman was Moses' mother. And she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. And she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her slave girl to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. And the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. And what an awesome account. What an awesome account that of what, of, of what mother's love was for Moses. It would make her mother, this mother's love would make her go to great lengths to protect him. She knew what was supposed to happen to this baby. This baby was supposed to be killed before he was even, when he was barely born. And if that didn't work, he was supposed to be killed by getting thrown into the river to, to drown. She hid him for as long as she could, for about three months, and she knew that she couldn't, she couldn't hold him, she couldn't hide him no longer. And this is the part of the account that blows my mind. She takes her baby to this river. She takes the baby to the river in a basket and another woman. I'm not sure. I haven't done the research. I'm not sure that this other woman even had kids of her own yet. But she looked and she saw this basket. She wondered what it was. Had a servant go get this basket, open it up, and there's this baby crying in this basket sitting out there in the river. She knew that he was supposed to be killed. She knew that it was a Hebrew baby. She knew that this boy was not supposed to live. But because of her mothering ability, because she was a woman, she made sure that this child was cared for. And she grabbed it. And it wasn't her child. But she had her servant <coughs> go and get go and get a Hebrew mother. Ended up being Moses' mother that came back and got to take care of him for the rest of his life. For, for his childhood. How awesome is that? How awesome is that? And and, and what is crazy to me is this is Pharaoh's daughter, right? Pharaoh, it was his daughter, and I don't know how many daughters he had, but wouldn't you think that Pharaoh would have been like, well, there's my daughter. She's got a three-month-old baby. Where did that come from? It, it blows my mind to even think about that, that, that God orchestrated this deal so, so great. It just amazes me the mothering ability that God gives you, ladies, and the love that you have, that you can care for others without giving it a second thought. I have a niece that's two and a half years old, just a young girl. Her name's Rain. She's a sweetheart of a little girl. And even in that age, the, the girls are they're ingrained with this love and this caring ability to take care of others. We went to visit them about a month ago. And, and she had the, the understanding that she knew, Rain knew that my daughter Emery had a hard time using the toilet. She didn't, she knew that she she wasn't very good at that. So Rain took it upon herself to make sure and care for Emery to make sure that she could go and use the toilet correctly. She's two and a half years old. Nobody told her to do that. She just grabbed Emery and said, let's go. And not only did she do that, she wanted to take care of Emery some more, so she let her use her toothbrush. <laughs> what a sweetheart. What a sweetheart. 
We were in a field day last week. It was a very nice, warm, sunny day, full of sunshine. Full of sunshine. Dads were standing around talking about how fast they used to be back in their glory days. Now living vicariously through their kids and we're out there now telling all their football stories and how fast they used to run. And we've all been there. And we've seen it. A kid would walk by and some mother would notice that he was getting a little red from the sun. And she would stop and find some sunscreen for that little kid. It didn't even matter if it was her kid. Just look, that kid needs sunscreen. And if I were if, if I were there and there was a kid to walk by, or maybe my own kid, I would say, hey, if I were just to begin to ask words, does anyone happen to have some sunscreen? I promise you, there would be like five mothers, three adolescent girls, and a two-year-old little girl in a frilly skirt bringing me sunscreen and pleading why they should use that sunscreen as opposed to anything else. They want to take care of them. But not one male would bring me some sunscreen to help some other kid out. Men are standing around scratching themselves. Man, that kid's getting a little red. Man, that's going to hurt in the morning. I had a sunburn one day, you know. I mean, but it's amazing that the mothering ability that you ladies have ingrained from God to take care and love without condition, without condition, unconditionally, even on kids and people that aren't your own. It just amazes me. Just to finish, to finish this account of Moses' birth, I'm just, I'm just so amazed at how God orchestrated that so perfectly so the mother, Moses' mother was still able to raise him. How awesome that was. Two little side notes here. This is the only time in the, mention, in the Bible that is mentioned that a baby is crying. I'm not sure why, but I know that that's true. That there, this is the only time that is ever mentioned in the Bible that a baby cries is when Moses was in that basket. I think that's kind of neat. Um, and the other thing, this basket and Noah's Ark were both covered in tar and pitch. So Noah's Ark, we know that as the as uh, God was going to destroy the world and cover it with water. And and he had Noah build an ark, and it took him a hundred and some odd years to do that. They were both covered in tar and pitch. Because of God's grace, the people were saved from death and destruction from water by getting on that ark, which was a vessel covered in tar and pitch. There's only eight of them. And I think it's cool because of God's grace, people were saved through the leadership of Moses, who was saved from death and drowning by a vessel that was covered in tar and pitch. By God's grace, these people were redeemed, and we can live here today and worship God because of that. So I thought that was pretty awesome. But, but I've learned about God's complete love and desire to care for those, care for us, care for others, through our mothers. 1 John 4, 4, 16 through 18, it says, God is love. Whoever lives in God and God in Him, in this way, God, in this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because the world, because in the world we are like Him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. As a parent, part of our duty is to discipline our kids. It's not the funnest part of it, but it is our duty. And I being the dad, I'm pretty quick to make sure that my kids know where they went wrong. And I'm pretty sure to figure out how to correct that and make sure that they know what they need to do better next time. And Andrea always backs me up. But she is the one who always makes sure that that child knows that they're loved. And that we are disciplining in love. I learned a lot about God's love through mothers. 
Last one, I was just thinking about Eve. She was the first mother, right? Genesis 3.20 says, The man called his wife Eve because she was the mother of all living. God created man in his likeness, mankind in his image. We were built in the image and likeness of God. So we as humans were built in his image. If it were only a man, we would only get to have half of that image of what God is. We'd only get to experience half the image, half of the spirit, half of the fruits. There are things about God that men have become like, but there are things that men can't do. God would not get all of His glory if mothers weren't also created. And because of that, I've been able to see a holy part of God that I would never have been able to understand. I know God better because of my mother, because of the mother that my wife is, not because of what they do, but because of what God has created me to be. Mothers today feel beat down. I've witnessed it when I was growing up in my own household now. Mothers get to feel beat down. They get to feel like they're not worthy. They get to feel like they're holding everything up. They're holding the house together. They're, they have to, they have, to uh, have a big job. they got to get separated. they got to get kids fed. they got to do all these things. And I think in Proverbs 31, that talks about a wife of a noble character. And there's all these things that are listed in there that, that a wife of a noble character is. And sometimes we can be pretty quick to just point wives to that passage. When you're not feeling good enough, when you're not feeling like the best wife or the best mother. And it was kind of funny the other day, Andrea, she's like, well, I just I just never know. I never know what what to cook for supper. And so I flipped open to Proverbs 31, and I'm like, nowhere, I read the whole thing, and I said, nowhere in there does it tell you that you have to know what you're going to have for supper every single night. Stop beating yourself up. Stop beating yourself up. There's a lot of other things that women can do and, and that we can find in that, that passage in Proverbs 31. So don't beat yourself up. Know that God has a hold of you. I'm going to invite the music team back up here. <clears throat> Uh, as we just think about how think about your own mother think about your wife that has become a mother and the things that we can learn about God through them and there's lots that we can learn from them but just like I listed off because of what I've learned through mothers that like Mary treasured her son God also treasures us the like Elizabeth's faithfulness and understanding, God is faithful and complete, and nothing is impossible without Him. Nothing is impossible with Him. The like the mother of Moses and Pharaoh's daughter, and my mother and my wife's unconditional, unwavering love, God's love is unconditional and unwavering. And He loves us so much. Our God loves us so much. Love this world so much. He has gone to great lengths to make sure that we are taken care of now and forever. Now and forever. He gave us His only Son. And by His love and grace, we are free from the guilt of sin. I don't know that, I don't know that I've ever been able to feel that kind of love before. That I would be able to pour out so much for someone else. But I know that my wife and my mom did it for me. I 
I'm so thankful for him. I'm so thankful for what God has done for us. Jesus Christ came into this world to die for our sins, to be placed on a cross and bleed out. Because of that blood, we are taken care of because God loves us so much and He wants us to come and live in eternity with Him in heaven. And all we have to do is accept it. All we have to do is ask Him to forgive us, to be in fellowship with Him, to talk to Him, and thank Him for what He's done for us. So if you haven't done that, today's the day to do that. Today's the day to do that. Like Corey always says, if you are saved and you haven't been baptized, we'll find some water somewhere to do that too. Just to, just to put our brand, put his brand on us. Show the world where he is. God, I just thank you so much. Thank you so much for mothers. And God, the things that I as a man and a father can't understand about you, but when I start looking at how you designed it, our mothers and our wives in the way that you did. And God, that we can just learn so much more about you because of that. And God, we, we thank you. That we can see all of your righteousness. We can see all of your glory because of the way that you made all of this in your likeness. And God, we have an example of that here on earth. God, I just thank you for your love. I thank you for your unfailing, undying love. God, you're complete. And that we're made complete in you. And God, I just uh, I just pray that we can all open up our hearts and our, our minds and try to understand you more in everything that we see in this life. And God, I just pray that, uh, that you bless all these people. God, that we can we can just stand and worship you and know how real you are. And God, how big you are. God, help us always be searching to find, find ways to know you more. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If anyone would like any prayer or anything like that, I'm going to sneak off to the back and listen up here. Uh, stand with us and sing.